Good afternoon and welcome to On the Arts, KLW's weekly radio magazine of the performing arts. I'm your host, David LaTulipe. Today you'll hear about San Francisco's 15th annual Fresh Festival 2024. It's a festival of experimental dance, music with workshops, performances and parties. I'll talk with artist, co-producer and co-curator Ainsley Tharp. You'll hear about the Young Performers Theatre presentation of Not Gone Yet, On Stage with My People, from writer and performance artist Benji Lasso and director Joyful Raven. Peter Robinson shares some highlights about this year's mostly British film festival at the Vogue Theatre here in San Francisco, and I'll take you on a backstage tour at the current Cirque du Soleil Big Top production of Cusa. All coming up after this news update from the BBC. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Moira Alderson with the BBC News. The US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has said that Hamas's counter-proposals for a Gaza ceasefire and hostage deal have created the space for an agreement to be reached. His words during a visit to Israel contrasted with those of his host, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's again vowed to destroy Hamas. Here's our chief international correspondent, Lise Doucette. Antony Blinken spoke of space to still continue with this agreement, despite this ferocious rebuke from Prime Minister Netanyahu describing the Hamas counteroffer as delusional. And yet the Qatari prime minister, one of the main mediators, spoke of it as positive. We now know that the Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas is going to Doha and to Saudi Arabia to continue the discussions and that Hamas is heading to Cairo. So that suggests that despite this overarching rejection by Israel, that there may be in the details something to keep working on. An American drone strike has killed three members of an Iranian-backed militia in Baghdad, including a leader of the group Qatayb Hezbollah. The U.S. military said he was behind recent attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria. Olegaren has been to the scene of the blast. When we arrived, there was a lot of anger on the streets. People were chanting anti-American slogans. We were surrounded quite quickly by angry protesters who said, foreigners have done this and you are foreigners, you are not welcome here. We have seen calls from pro-Iranian militia for supporters to come out on the streets and to move towards the U.S. embassy. We have also had an angry response from a spokesman for the Iraqi army saying that this will threaten security and stability here. And it's hard to see how it can do other than increase the tension in Iraq. President Biden has criticized Republicans after the U.S. Senate blocked bipartisan legislation that tied tougher border restrictions with aid to Ukraine and Israel. Mr. Biden expressed his disbelief at the result, which came after Democrats agreed to most Republicans' demands on the border. He blamed threats to legislators from Donald Trump who'd opposed the bill. John Sodworth is in Washington. With Donald Trump now the leading contender for the Republican nomination and seemingly unwilling to offer anything that would give Mr Biden the appearance of a win ahead of that election, he's been urging his party now to reject the deal. And Republicans almost overwhelmingly in the Senate, just four Republican members uh, voting for these measures. Um, So this big package, this big hopeful bipartisan piece of uh, work that's taken months to craft looks like it can go no further. The Islamic State group says it carried out two bomb explosions that killed nearly 30 people in Pakistan on Wednesday, the day before its election. The blasts hit election events east of Quetta, the capital of the restive Baluchistan province. World news from the BBC. 
Nicaragua's government says it's granted asylum to Panama's former president, Ricardo Martinelli, after he requested protection at their embassy in Panama City. It comes after Panama's highest court rejected an appeal last week to annul a nearly 11-year prison sentence that he'd received after being convicted on money laundering charges. He claims the charges were politically motivated. Preliminary results from Azerbaijan's presidential election show a big victory for the incumbent Ilham Aliyev, handing him a fifth term in office. Early tallies showed he'd won more than 90% of the votes in a ballot held in the absence of any real opposition. New research shows men who take erectile dysfunction medications may be unintentionally reducing their risk of Alzheimer's disease. Researchers examined the medical records of roughly 270,000 men with erectile dysfunction and found that those prescribed the drug were 18% less likely to develop Alzheimer's. Hosts Ivory Coast have beaten DR Congo 1-0 in the second semi-final of the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament. The teams had a roller coaster tournament almost going out in the group stages, the last 16 and the quarter-finals. John Bennett reports from Abidjan. We've had drama, we've had miracles, we've had huge slices of luck from this Ivory Coast team, but this performance was about quality and control. They fully deserve the win. Sebastian Allaire, the man on most of the billboards in Abidjan, is now an even bigger hero after his winner, which looped over the goalkeeper. Meanwhile, Nigeria needed penalties to beat South Africa after late drama when they thought they scored to make it 2-0, but the video assistant referee had spotted a foul in the build-up and instead awarded South Africa a penalty. But Nigeria recovered from that late hammer blow and kept their nerve in the tense shootout. Nigeria against Ivory Coast is a final fitting for what's been a thrilling tournament. BBC News. Hello. Welcome to On the Arts, our weekly radio magazine of the performing arts. Lots in store for you this week. I'm your host, David LaTulipe. Well, the 15th annual Kathleen Hermsdorf Fresh Festival gets underway Friday. Fresh Festival was created in 2010 by dancer and master teacher Kathleen Hermsdorf, alongside musician Albert Mathias. They created it to ensure that San Francisco continues to grow as a provocative center for contemporary dance, music, and performance. Fresh is artist-oriented and artist-run, manifesting as an arena for research, an incubator for new work, a generator for sharing resources, and a platform for cross-pollinating communities. This year's KH Fresh team includes Ainsley Elizabeth Tharp. Ainsley is a Bay Area Reminder that the Bay Area is on Ohlone land, based alchemist plus artist plus activist, she grew up in a small Texas town called Victoria on Karankawas land, and she carries with her influence from her own words, Catholic school, Celtic folklore, Mexican Tijuana culture, and white Southern trailer trash. She's a multimedia witch, self-described, working to build new systems and queer futures as an artist and collaborator, and she creates visual alchemy as performance using various modes in media, such as movement, magic, ritual, video, projection, lighting, and the sculpting of ready-made objects. 
Her work is dedicated to creating and organizing low-income accessible art access spaces in the Bay Area. Ainsley, welcome to On the Arts. You're muted, my Thanks. dear. There you are. Okay, ah. good. The, the glories of Zoom. Uh, and I like, the, I like the acoustics from your car, by the way. It works well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me, David. Sure. I am honored to be here with you. Well, happy to have you and to promote. I'm, I'm very excited to learn about the, the fifth, 15th annual. This is the first I've really gotten drill, delved into detail, so I'm, I'm happy to have you. First of all, Ainsley, tell us about the founder of the festival, Kathleen Hermsdorf, who left the earthly dance floor, so to speak, in 2020. Um, Kathleen Hermsdorf was a force. Uh, the first time I met her was in Berlin, Germany. Uh, she had put on, she had this whole company called Fake Company. Uh, it was all improvised, a lot of props, a lot of costumes, a lot of musicians, a lot of dancers. And I saw one of her shows and I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what is happening here, but this is what I want to do. Um, she had a way of just bringing people together and also a way of lifting people up. And um, yeah, she was inspirational and she definitely was community oriented. And I remember like being in her class and just feeling like that I could do anything and that anything was possible. And it, the way that she generated electricity among other artists and other and other dancers was, I mean, it's how I, it's what I aspire to be and do in holding space or teaching dance class or performing uh, in ways where everyone feels welcome and everyone is like the best dancer and everyone is just like woo girling each other on um, through the whole process. You go girl, uh, kind of. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you go girl <laughs> is right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in addition to the performances, which are this Friday and Saturday at 8 at Dance Mission Theater and the Mission, and next Friday and Saturday at 8, there are um, lots more to the festival. Tell us about the practices that are being offered by the artists and a bit about the artists themselves that are involved in this festival. Yes. Uh, so first up, we have Jusse Muniz Van Gaal, as well as Albert, Albert Mathias, who was a longtime artistic partner of Kathleen, uh, helped find the festival. Um, and Jusse brings this like beautiful, enriching, watery, uh, like floor work coming from like the Mexican diaspora. Um, into the space it's going to be very intensive very physical very like you're you're biting a juicy piece of fruit as you're moving quickly across the floor i like that Uh, analogy (laughs) okay yeah and then we have sherwood chen who's actually one of our pop-up artists uh he's been a part of the festival for a while he's based in paris and happens to be here for the Lunar New Year, and we are incredibly honored to help to be able to present one of his practices. We also have Inigun Lugar um, coming from Mexico, and they are also there. They come GSA trained with them, uh, so their movement is also very physical, very fun, very um, very dynamic working with like uh, 
how to create new movement pathways. Uh, what does that look like and feel like? And then we also have Mayfield Brooks, who is, in my opinion, a legend in the experimental dance scene. Um, they have, they're mainly based, they do a lot of stuff that's based out of New York. A lot of their work is community oriented, working with uh, the black diaspora, um, working a lot with like what it means to be in their black body in the experimental dance scene. Um, their practice is called waves. And I believe it's moving a lot with the fluidity in the body. Um, and that is going to be incredible. Uh, and then we also... Well, before we move on, before we move on, Mayfield's Brooks, Mayfield Brooks is doing a, a work called Whale Fall Lamentations. Tell us a little bit about that fascinating work. Yeah, I, um, I actually don't know too much about it. I know that it also accompanies like a film and it is this multimedia work that I think will really be in conversation with a film that they're presenting at YBCA on Sunday, February 18th. Um, they're also bringing, uh, uh, bringing in a live musician, I believe their name is Dorothy Carlos. Uh, I can't remember their last name, um, but yeah, very yeah. I I'm you're about just... you're about to go on to the next artist, but what I have in the release that really fascinated me is is about whale fall itself. It's a scientific term describing the process of a whale's decomposition after it dies and falls to the ocean floor while providing nutrients for thousands of sea creatures as a result. And in this project, whale fall becomes the decomposed dance, the space of grief and regeneration, the lamentation, the ecstasy. And it's a, a live vocal and move, movement lament. So that's, that's going to be fascinating on Sunday. Yeah, I think that, uh, I believe that is the live performance, but then there will also be a film that accompanies it. You did mention uh, YBCA, the Yerba Buena Center. There are some performance activations there. What are those called? And what are those? That is to be unseen. And it is three artists, Audrey Johnson, uh, Dazon. What's Dazon's last? Solon. And Rama Hall, who's also one of our house teachers uh, for our practices. Um, and... That that curation is in some ways like our honoring of Black History Month, as well as a lot of, like Fred Moten's theory on Black Fugity, um, and it being in a high art space. Um, all three people are based in the Bay. Uh, Dazon comes from an architecture background as well, uh, so their movement is inspired a lot by out architecture. Um, Audrey is a personal friend of mine and brings a lot of like alchemy and magic and um, like energetic space moving. And then Rama Hall comes from uh, a house background and has an amazing background, both in organizing house shows, ciphers, bringing people together. And I believe that Rama is doing a duet with their partner um, for the YBCA activation. And that will happen on Saturday, I believe at 3.30. 
I'm also reading about a night drag experience in collaboration with angels at on Charlie's Lounge. Yes. Um, this is, I mean, Maria Silk and Brittany Smears are two drag queens in the Bay that I have been watching for a long time. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Brittany Smears? Brittany Smears. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. Um, <laughs> And Aunt Charlie's is one of the oldest dive drag bars left in the Bay. And it's like this little hallway that you walk in. It's crowded. The drinks are still cheap. Um, and drag so are the ladies. <laughs> and yeah. And it's, it's based on like, it's based on drag, but it's also based on performance, uh, like performance art in nightlife. So their curation, um, in some ways, incorporates both. Nice. <laughs> well, the Fresh Festival takes place at four historic locations in San Francisco, Counterpulse and Dance Mission, uh, for some formal performances next Friday and this Friday and next Friday and Saturday at eight. Special performances at the Yerba Buena Gardens and Aunt Charlie's, just mentioned. And it's open to all who are curious, adventurous, you know, and want to live a little bit of cutting edge live art along with some experimental stuff and some multimedia artists. Ainsley, thanks so much for sharing so much about this. And of course, there'll be some parties, which I'm sure people will enjoy as well. Yeah, thank you so much, David. Thanks for having us. Uh, there's a lot of information on our website. Um, Which is freshfestival.org. We'll have a link at our website as well. Thank you. Thanks, Ainsley. Bye. Oh. <clears throat> You're listening to On the Arts here on KALW, San Francisco Bay Area. I'll be shortly joined by Peter Robinson to talk about the um, the, fre- the uh, mostly British film festival, and I'll take you on a backstage tour of Cirque du Soleil's production of Cousa. But first, a little music for you. Que reste-t-il de nos amours? Que reste-t-il de ces beaux jours? Une photo, vieille photo. De ma jeunesse Que reste-t-il Des billets doux Des mois d'avril Des rendez-vous Un souvenir Qui me poursuit Sans cesse Bonheur fané Cheveux au vent Baiser volé De tout cela, dites-le moi. Un petit village, un vieux clocher, un paysage si bien caché, et dans un nuage, le cher visage de mon passé. Les mots, les mots tendres qu'on murmure. Les caresses les plus pures Les serments au fond des bois Les fleurs Qu'on retrouve dans un livre Dont le parfum vous enivre Se sont envolées Pourquoi 
That's some beautiful music chosen by Benji Lasso as part of her show. Young Performers Theater is pleased to announce Not Gone Yet, on stage with My People, the new solo show written and performed by multidisciplinary performance artist Benji Lasso. And uh, who happens to be the daughter of legendary clarinetist and band leader Benny Goodman. She joins me, and she's also joined by the director and developer of the show, Joyful Raven, with performances on February 10th and 11th, the 10th at 7.30 Saturday, and Sunday the 11th at 4 p.m. Now, who better to tell us more about the show than its creator? Benji Lasso, through her unique and whimsical performance art, opens doors to the world of dreams and symbols. With her roots in the visual arts, costumes and sets, an integral part of her vision. Over the past 26 years, Benji has created nine autobiographical solo performances combining movement, text, and installations. She studied with Anna DeVere Smith, aerial improv artist Terry Sengraff, modern dancer Anne Blumenthal, and teacher of ballet and Feldenkrais Augusta Moore. An ongoing theme in her work is defining herself as an artist having grown up with an icon, that icon being her father. Benny Goodman in North Beach here in San Francisco. Benji, such a pleasure to welcome you to On the Arts. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. And she's joined by the director and co-creator of the show, Joyful Raven, an award-winning actor, director, and story midwife known for her powerful and thought-provoking solo shows. Her most recent show, Breed or Bust, hot off a critically acclaimed run at the 2023 Edinburgh Film Fringe Festival in Scotland, where it was nominated for an Offie. The show was also nominated for Best Comedy at the 2022 Hollywood International Fringe Festival. And closer to home, her previous show, Tales of a Sexual Tomboy, won Best of the Fringe at the San Francisco International Fringe Festival 2016 and enjoyed an off-Broadway run in 2017. She teaches regular storytelling and solo theater classes at the Berkeley Rep School of Theater and her own studio in Oakland. Joyful Raven, welcome to you. You're, yeah, you're muted there. Jessie. I did the faux pas. I was on mute. <laughs> you know, Good if, job. if I could count the number of Zoom that uh, <laughs> forgot to unmute. I was, I was like, I'm not going to be that person. <laughs> Too bad. Hello. That, Thank that, you so much for having me. And us. that's all the time we have for. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, Benji, I didn't give away anything about the show in the, in, in the introduction. So tell me about the genesis of this show. This is now your ninth or tenth autobiog- autobiographical. Yeah, about the ninth. There's a saying go that goes that you always tell more or less the same story. And my family has always been part of my stories, probably specifically how I navigated um, being an artist and having such an icon father. Um, the difference between this one is that um, I created these scene partners, um, seven uh, dress forms, a dress form being like the ones that uh, dressmakers use. But these are 2D. They're made out of cardboard. 
and um, they're dressed. <laughs> and so they're my scene partners, so I can move them around on wheels and kind of give them language that they may or may not have used. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of moving around, I'm going to encourage you not to because you're, because you're making oh. some peripheral noise that we're hearing oh, on sorry, stage. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Unless that's joyful. I think it's you, Benji. So just to, in the interest of some good radio. Now, we're, I'm, I, oh, that could be, that could be yeah. joyful. All right. No, no, I was just no, suggesting that she do this. I was making <laughs> frantic facial expressions to her <laughs> <laughs> all good all good i've I'm, I'm never been the kind of like you can hear a pin drop npr kind of guy i mean it's not it's r- live radio for I'll, I won't say the, that word. I'll say for for, okay. for heck's sake. It's it's live radio, so it has some warts here and there, but it's all good, all good. Um, Benji, you are indeed the daughter of a legend, the late great Benny Goodman, a long shadow, indeed. Now he was regarded by some as a demanding taskmaster for some of those he worked with. Did he? Was he that way at at, at home, or offer you encouragement for your own artistic journey? Um, well, it was kind of a complex. Uh, situation because on the one hand he was incredibly encouraging framed my artwork as I, I started as a visual artist um, as a child but yet um, you know there was this big shadow and icon that was pretty much inaccessible so it, it, the best way to hear about it is via my show where I really go into depth of of what it was like growing up in my family and, um, yes, so there were, it was one in the two. And he was also very, very, um, you know, focused. And so there wasn't that much room. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a big, uh, a big, uh, yeah. big shadow. Uh, you've got a yeah. sister who went on to become a classical pianist and three stepsisters from your mom's previous marriage. So what half are, what, sisters for me. Uh, past. Okay. So tell us, half. half sisters. <laughs> Um, tell us what it was like living in the Goodman household then. Well, as I said, it was kind of good to see in the show, but it was, um, in some ways, you know, you always grow up thinking you're like everybody else, but, but you aren't. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think that was a big lesson to learn. Oh, wait, not everybody lives this way. Not everybody gets to travel this much. You know, there were wonderful opportunities like that, um, Many people have their, you know, parents home every night, which didn't happen. Um, but I wanted to tell you also kind of the genesis of these dolls because it was so interesting. Um, prior to COVID, I did a workshop on reimagine end of life and I created these cardboard dress forms on and the idea was people would, uh, I love clothes. People would, make these cloaks that would be like collages uh, with memories. There could be letters, there could be photographs, there could be, you know, fake flowers, all sorts of things. And it turned out that not everybody brought their dress forms home. So during COVID, I had all these dress forms around me. And that's where I decided to, oh, wait, these could be family members. And it was kind of fun. Like for my father, I actually have his coat. <laughs> so he's wearing his own coat. <laughs> wow. And then they're, they're photographs. And as I said, uh, you know, visual arts have always been very important to me. Well, your dad's passing in 1989 at 77 must have been quite a shock. Are you now the keeper of his legacy or does that take care of itself? 
Oh, that certainly takes care of itself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my sister and I, uh, you know, actually my sister's writing a book about um, what it was like for her. Um, and so we both, you know, we'll always be the Goodman girls. Sure. Rachel and I. Oh, nice, nice. And yeah, yeah. And my mother was a, you know, big, big influence too with her handwork and... As I said. Joyful Raven, tell us a little bit about your guiding hand in the creation of Not Gone Yet on stage with my people, which is being written and performed by my other guest, Benji Lasso. Yeah. um, Well, like I said, I I call myself a story midwife because um, through multiple circuitous routes, I find myself both being a solo show artist, but also finding a lot of joy in helping draw other people's stories out and help them tell and unpack the very thing that they're trying to say. So it's a very um, beautiful, intimate process where I, I hear a lot of Benji's writing. We talk a lot of story and we piece together and parse out exactly what she wants to say. So Story Midwife is sort of a director, a dramaturg, an acting coach, like um, all sort of wrapped up into one. Um, Benji, I see a rather dramatic-looking mask in the press release that was sent to me. Tell me about the props that you're using in addition to your dad's coat. <laughs> well, as I say, there are these, there are these people, these seven people. Um, and the mask um, I created, I forget when I first created that, when everybody was making those casts. Um, and I just, I kind of love it because it creates, for me, I feel like, I can be myself behind it. Um, at the same time, it kind of drives people, specifically my sister, crazy because you can't. You can't. Well, I imagine you if you wore it to the dinner table, yeah. I know yeah. you can't. You nobody can read you. Um, but as she said, but with you know, with other dancers, and you know, there's a huge tradition of masks, you know, buto dancing and so on, and so you can generate it with your body and say things. So. That's a small part of it. Uh, Joyful, would you like to give a little shout out as to uh, what other projects you're working on these days? Oh, sure. Well, um, you sort of mentioned one of them, um, which is Breeder Bust, which is my own show, which I just um, got back from Edinburgh with last last summer, which was quite the to do. Um, And uh, my personal work is really a marriage of storytelling and stand up to deal, to grapple with really, um, hot button issues. And so Breeder Bust is about, uh, female reproductive choices specifically. Um, I also have a number of other people whose, um, solo shows I'm currently in development with. And I also teach solo theater with, uh, the great Dan Hoyle. Oh, Dan's um, a great guy. I've had him on. Yeah. Times. So we have, and something I was going to mention just, you know, it was interesting about Ainsley, the previous guest, uh, is just how much she talked about ritual. And I feel like Benji's piece really has this element of, of contending with the dead, contending with the past, bringing the dead to the present in order to unpack, uh, the stories that were untold or unspoken while the people were alive. And, I have directed many solo shows and I've never seen anybody do what Benji's doing with these, with these, uh, dolls, essentially. She calls them dress forms, but they're dolls. They have photos of the people. She speaks to them. Uh, there's a very intricate choreography with them. So it's really fascinating to watch. And there is a sense of, it, it's almost like a theater ritual, what she's doing. And, and I was going to add that, um, it definitely, 
probably wouldn't have taken place had I not started taking Joyful's storytelling classes, and then it grew out of that. So I'm totally thrilled to have Joyful as my developer and director. Very nice. That's Benji Lasso with Joyful Raven. Their collaborative creation, Not Gone Yet, on stage with my people. Is being was written and performed by Benji Lasso, directed and developed by Joyful Raven. They have generously offered us two pairs of tickets for the shows. Let me know whether you'd like to go on Saturday, February 10th at 7.30 or Sunday, February 11th at 4 p.m. Send me an email, david at k-a-l-w dot org. I will just get the first date stamped two that come in. I'll put in the uh, subject line OTA for On the Arts. I'm sorry I can't take any calls because I'm just I'm the only one here and I'd be interrupting my own live show if I were to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not a call-in show for that. So let, let me know if you'd like to catch this. The, the performing stage is called the Young Performers Theater. It's at Fort Mason 2 Marina Boulevard, Building D, third floor here in San Francisco. Okay, and what's... Yeah, for those please. of you who don't know where that is, it's actually, it's like the Magic Theater's second stage. So it's at, it's out at Fort Mason, follow the signs to the Magic Theater, and tickets are at Eventbrite, or not gone yet, at Eventbrite. Very so. nice. All right, and again, if you'd like a, a pair of tickets, I've got two pair being offered for Saturday's performance at 7.30 or Sunday at 4 p.m., David at... KALW.org. Let me know which you'd like to attend. Okay, Benji, uh, I've opened up with some gorgeous French music. Tell me a little bit about why you chose that music, how it's in the show, and what it means for you. Well, I, I always think that so many people kind of tell me they discovered themselves, their adult self in San Francisco. And although I've been here a long time. It was Paris where I found, ooh, this is who I am. <laughs> I moved there at 20, at 25, married a Frenchman. I still, uh, unfortunately, he, I kept his name, but we're not married. <laughs> and, um, that I'm happens. still close to, to his, uh, to his mother, who's 93. Um, and there was just something magical. I love foreigners. I love, I love that you can't quite understand everything and somehow, feel like it's going across however when i moved here at um 44 my life was transformed by discovering modern dance with Anne blithenthal acting with um adele prandini and especially um my connection to terry sengraf for improv and learning to walk on stilts women walking tall who would have thought you could do that at 44 (laughs) so she was incredible influence very nice. Benji Lasso, Joyful Raven, have a wonderful uh, run here in San Francisco. Your hometown for so many years, Benji. Keep up, keeping up. It's uh, amazing to see this, uh, this new creativity and the spark come from uh, such an established artist. And we look forward to the next show as well. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much, David. Really beautiful to be here. Sure. Thank ben- you so much for having us. Joyful Raven and Benji Lasso. My pleasure. Bye-bye. This is On the Arts on KALW Public Radio. We may be joined by Peter Robinson to uh, hear about the Mostly British Film Festival. He seems to be AWOL. Uh, We'll listen to a little more music, and then we'll take you to the circus, or more accurately, the Cirque du Soleil, that is. Stay with us. Speaking of French. Un vieux clocher. 
Music that will be presented in Not Gone Yet on stage with my people. A show, solo show developed by, written and performed by Benji Lasso, directed and developed by Joyful Raven. I'm David LaTulipe. It's On the Arts here on KALW San Francisco Bay Area. I was to be joined by Peter Robinson to tell us a little bit about the uh, mostly British film festival. He may still join us. I think he was indicated originally that he was going to be last on the show, so I'm going to go ahead with some music from uh, the current production of Cirque du Soleil and tell you a little bit about my visit there. Well, uh, to go backstage at Cirque du Soleil's current production of Cusa near AT&T Park, is a bit like peeking behind the curtain of the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, except that these special effects are carefully executed to seem effortless and are not just someone pretending to be larger than life. These folks are. In fact, costume designer Marie-Chantal Valencourt used a wide variety of sources for inspiration, including the Wizard of Oz, as well as Alice in Wonderland, Baron Munchausen, the Mad Max movies, and time travel movies to India and Eastern Europe. Now, instead of a green room where artists would just lounge and wait to go on, there's a trampoline, a balance beam, mats to stretch on, and a big TV monitor that gives everyone an audience's eye view of what is happening live just down the tented hallway prior to going on. I also witnessed a rather adrenaline-fueled backgammon game going on backstage. In full costume. These artist-athletes start arriving around, oh, let's see, 4 p.m. and enjoy a meal and perhaps a game of chess at the on-site cafeteria where the cuisine changes daily and the chef and four sous-chefs often catering to the more than 32 national nationalities represented in the cast for three meals a day. I happen to arrive on Greek night with some tasty main dishes, super salads, and fresh baklava for the taking. Of course, a variety of healthy snacks are always at the ready, with the cafeteria acting as a social hub for the cast, many of whom I see, saw showing up in full costume and makeup for their meal. About an hour before the show, a group stretching class is led by Cherie Walker, the artistic head coach. It's an optional activity, but a good opportunity to limber up and ready the body for the physical marathon that lies ahead each evening. Julie Desmarais was my tour guide here in San Francisco. She's been involved in various Cirque productions over several decades and has enjoyed every minute of it. Like those of us fortunate enough to work in a field that we enjoy, a lot of the time it just doesn't feel like work. Naturally, she has some fun facts about some of those performers who she's gotten to know quite well like the Spanish lead tightrope walker and his brother. The older, now 62 years old, has been with the show since its inception in 2007 and has been for performing since the age of four. Or 
The precocious 12-year-old son of another performer who travels with the company speaks four languages and absorbs fun facts about all of the cities he's visited and offers a warm hug of welcome and did again when we left. Some 24 children of performing parents travel with the production. Kuza offers an innovative journey viewed through the perspective of the innocent, an endearing yet naive clown looking for his place in the world. When a mystery item is delivered to him one day when he is flying his kite, a journey of self-discovery follows and brings him into contact with a panoply of comic characters such as the king, the trickster, the clowns, and his mad dog. And we'll see him witness, among other things, a double high-wire act, a 1,600-pound wheel of death, and a contortion artist whose use of dozens of hula hoops simultaneously simply boggles the mind and defies further description. In an endearing twist to the story, my companion on this backstage journey was my dear friend Mark Perry, himself a former accomplished gymnast, who recognized a name that Julie mentioned was in the cast, Cedric Bellil, who, it turns out, trained in the same gyms on trampoline, and Mark and Cedric competed together when they were younger in Canada and across the provinces. They hadn't been in touch in more than a decade, if not two. A very happy reunion, indeed. The innovative aforementioned costumes created by Marie-Chantal Vaillancourt include a skeleton costume made of molded carbon, which the performer plays, and a nightmare-inspiring rat cape that creates the illusion that rats are running down a performer's body before disappearing into a trap, an effect that would be relatively easy in a film, but much more difficult to achieve live on stage. There was a long period of trial and error, I'm told, and the final rat cape costume is made up of 95 fake fur rats with red crystal eyes to catch the light, with the running, inspect, uh, running effect inspired by the mechanism of vertical blinds, and several of the rats are fitted with little wheels to make them seem even more alive. Viewer discretion advised, <laughs> believe me. All in all, there are more than 175 costumes and 160 hats in the show. 1,080 items in all, including all the custom-made shoes, props, and, listen to this, 30 miles of fabric. Uh, and uh, each year, the costume workshop artisans use more than 30 miles of fabric, which are treated and dyed, for the most part, in-house by the artisans of the in-house textile design team. And over 1,000 pairs of aforementioned shoes produced by that workshop every year, Keebler Elves not included. The music of Kuza is inspired by the sounds of Western pop culture, from 1970s funk to full orchestral arrangements. It also draws heavily on traditional Indian music with six, count them, six Kuza music musicians who play live music during each performance. Trumpet, trombone, bass, drums, percussion, sax, electric guitar, and keyboard along with two singers. Here's a fun fact about the size of the stage. The diameter is 36 feet. You may ask, why 36 feet? Excellent question. That's the diameter of a standard circus ring which is determined by the minimum area in which a horse can comfortably gallop. 
No horses in this show, however. Cusa had its world premiere in April 2007 in Montreal and has since played in over 66 cities in 22 countries on four different continents, mesmerizing close to, get this, 8 million spectators since its creation. The name Cusa is inspired by the Sanskrit word koza, which means box, chest, or treasure, and was chosen because one of the underlying concepts of the production is the idea of a circus in a box. Kuza features an international cast of some 54 artists and is a traveling show of 120, including those artists. The tour relies on local suppliers for many essentials, such as food, biodiesel fuel, machinery, food, and beverage supplies for patrons, banking services, delivery services, recycling, and waste management. It really injects a significant amount of money into the local economy wherever they park their tent. Currently, there are more than 20 unique Cirque productions in rotation, with permanent sites like Las Vegas and various resorts around the world offering longer residencies. Last year, I caught the spectacular Joya show with dinner while enjoying a resort experience at the Riviera Maya near Cozumel, Mexico. An amazing meal, needless to say, and also, needless to say, an even harder to describe an amazing performance. There are some six shows in residence in Sin City, Las Vegas, with options to catch a Beatles or Michael Jackson tribute. Oh, at the Bellagio, inspired by the concept of infinity and the elegance of water's pure form. Mad Apple, a non-stop New York thrill ride from the moment you step into the theater, inspired by New York, of course, and appropriately at Las Vegas's New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Ka at the MGM Grand, or Mystère at Treasure Island. You'll have until Sunday, March 17th, to catch the Cusa show here in San Francisco, and then the tent stakes are pulled up for a move to San Jose's Santa Clara County Fairgrounds, April 18th through May 19th. I'm David Latulip. You are listening to On the Arts here on KALW San Francisco Bay Area, listener-supported broadcast station. So happy that you are with me, and so happy that we finally nailed Mr. Peter Robinson to offer this next segment, which is about the Mostly British Film Festival, and he's asked for some very specific, appropriate music for that introduction. Suntan oil and the gurgle of Coca-Cola... Why do the wrong people travel, travel, travel When the right people stay back home? What explains this mass mania To leave Pennsylvania And clack around like flocks of geese Demanding dry martinis on the Isles of Greece In the smallest street when the gourmets meet They invariably fetch up And it's hard to make them accept a steak that isn't served rare and smeared with ketchup. It would take years to unravel, ravel, ravel every impulse that makes them wrong. But why, oh, why do the wrong people travel when the right people stay back home and eat hot donuts when the right people stay back home with all that lettuce when the right people stay back home? I sometimes wonder why the right people stay back home. Noel Coward, one of the featured personalities in the Mostly British Film Festival, here to tell us about that film and others on the festival, is Peter Robinson. Hi, Peter. Welcome back. 
Hi, David. Good to be here. Good to be here and great to hear the voice of uh, Noel Card. I've always enjoyed uh, not only his drama, his plays, uh, but also his uh, cabaret performance. And certainly, if you remember the days of vinyl records, the old days of vinyl records, he appears, since you mentioned it early on, in Las Vegas. And so he actually did a series of cabaret performances uh, live on the stage at Las Vegas. And that is actually where he premiered the song we've just been listening to, uh, Why Do the Wrong People Travel When the Right People Stay Back Home? Now, here's one of the subjects of three uh, exciting documentaries which complete, uh, starting this Thursday, the Mostly British Film Festival. And I'll say something about Noel Card in a minute, but why mostly British? Mostly British because the films actually come from five different countries around the world where the common factor is English. It may not be the English that you hear on the BBC, uh, but it is English from India, English from Australia, from Ireland, and uh, you actually get a conglomeration of how the language has evolved by watching some of these uh, very exciting movies. Now, I mentioned documentaries because the festival closes on the 23rd of uh, February, and the three documentaries, two of them I've seen, one is about Alfred Hitchcock, so it's a really interesting backstory on how he made the films, uh, how he always managed to inject himself into the movies. You have to sometimes look very fast, but you'll find an image of Hitchcock there. And what you will learn is the way he made the different cuts, because how he cut his movies, he started life actually in the German cinema, believe it or not. He was a sign writer for the movies, and then, of course, moves on to Hollywood. So if you're interested in uh, films like Rear Window, To Catch a Thief, um, any of those great Hitchcock movies, this documentary it gives us the backstory and how it happened. The other documentary, which I think is a really important one, a uh, soundtrack by uh, uh, Cummings, Alan Cummings, is the story about Noel Coward and... It includes uh, not only cuts from the dramas, from Blythe Spirit, from some of the great 1930s performances on stage, uh, but also uh, some of the movies. People forget that he was the inspiration for Brief Encounter, a great story set on a railway station where they use uh, Rachmaninoff's number two piano concerto at a dramatic moment in the movie. And then, of course, the great wartime movie in which we serve, uh, where, funnily enough, Noel Card actually plays a part in that one, as well as being part of the backstory. So these are just a couple of examples of a series that looks at films from essentially around the world. And you'll find the word sex, S-E-X, kicks off the first movie, uh, what do we know about sex, which is a, a interesting uh, comedy. And then amongst the others is the most recent release from the actor Anthony Hopkins, Tony Hopkins. He plays Mr. Winton in Our Time, 
and it's a dramatic story of uh, what I would call a British wartime true escape story for some uh, 800 Czech Jewish children who this British businessman, through manipulating the system, getting the right paperwork, uh, managed to escape uh, during the opening years of Hitler's invasion of both Czechoslovakia and taking over of Europe. And I think the interesting thing about this is he, Winton, was quite a modest person and he appeared on a show uh, called This Is Your Life. Uh, they did have a similar series over here in this country, uh, but uh, that was the beginning of telling uh, this dramatic story. And Hopkins plays the lead. Uh, it is a very moving, um, an honest story, a good piece of storytelling, uh, accurate storytelling, where the facts speak for themselves. Now, where does this all happen? Uh, this is happening at the Vogue Theatre. Uh, the Vogue Theatre is a classic theatre on Sacramento Street, and all the uh, local uh, shops, retail outlets have chipped in to make this a possibility. Now, I say that because as San Francisco begins, begins to change, downtown, uh, I'm sorry to say at lunchtime, often becomes a ghost town, these small retail outfits are still the vibrant part of what I call shopping in San Francisco. And you can go along Fillmore Street, uh, you'll find a similar experience. And then, as I say, Sacramento Street, the Vogue Theatre is the centre of this. And it's a historic theatre. Uh, so you are moving back in time. Uh, it's comfortable, it's straightforward, it's friendly, and the screen is big enough to play things on a big screen. So let, for a moment, since I review films, uh, both for radio and for different other organizations, newspapers and so forth. Uh, let me talk for a second about the big screen. Because uh, nowadays in your own home, you can watch a Netflix movie or an Apple movie. And it may be more easy. You don't go out in the rain. You don't get wet. You sit there comfortable. You're with a friend. But there is something about going to the cinema and I believe to that old generation, the old movie generation, were a night at the flicks, a night at the picks, a night at the theatre, uh, was a night out. And I say that because there is a kind of connection between reviewing a film, uh, and often I've chosen not to go to press openings, but to go to the opening night when everyday theatre-goers, movie-goers are there, because you get a slightly... Uh, different reaction. Now, the pros and cons, the cons sometimes, because of the sound system, you get your ears blown off. And I actually have friends who bring earplugs to the movie so that they can come out with their eardrums intact. On the other hand, <clears throat> there are real advantages uh, to having the widescreen and getting the full contact and a good example of that uh, would be the Royal Shakespeare Company. In Marin, at the Log Theatre, uh, they have the NFL, the National Theatre Company, coming from London. 
And one of the advantages, if you can't get to the London stage, if you see, for example, a Shakespearean play on the stage on a movie house, the camera moves in on the actors. So when Hamlet is saying to be or not to be, the camera actually captures the speaker. And then the second camera will move around, if it's a dialogue piece, to the person that the actor is speaking to. And I think in some ways you feel as though you are at the front row at the old Vic. You're at the front row at the Royal Shakespeare Company. And you're almost in the play. You're as close to the play as the fellow actors will be. And this, of course, is one of the joys of contemporary photography, uh, one of the important things about, as I say, going out to the theatre. So that's just a sidebar on why a live theatre performance transferred by good television, good cameras, good filming can really bring a stage play to life. So opening this coming Thursday, the Mostly British Film Festival that runs some uh, 23 different films that spread from five different countries, and you'll hear every uh, form of English not just the BBC, but how you doing, Mike? Yeah, what's it like back there? Yeah. Uh, we'll have a full link at our website as well, mostlybritish.org. Peter, thanks for sharing some highlights and for joining us once again on the arts. Okay, good to see you, David, and thank you for being with me. Cheerio, mate. Okay, see you later. All right, uh, see you later. Well, the musicians of the San Francisco Symphony are in for a different kind of workout this week than their usual orchestral fair. Tomorrow and Friday, there's a screening of the remake of Casino Royale with Daniel Craig, the live soundtrack being conducted by Nicholas Buck to the film. And then on Saturday, a fun matinee, Bugs Bunny at the Symphony. Your favorite classic Bugs Bunny cartoons inspired by some of the greatest classical orchestral works ever made. Again, performed live by the Symphony under the baton of George Doherty. That's Saturday at 3 p.m. Information at both, for both concerts is at sfsymphony.org. The Sydney Symphony Orchestra performing live to Bugs Bunny at the Symphony. That same conductor, George Doherty, will be leading the San Francisco Symphony this Saturday afternoon at 3 for details about that, as well as the Daniel Craig Casino Royale film with live music by the San Francisco Symphony. Visit sfsymphony.org. I'm David Latulipe. You've been listening to On the Arts on KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Thank you so much for joining us. Our shows are archived at KALW.org. And my thanks to producer Janice Lee and a reminder for you to send me praise, criticism, anything you'd like. I'm David at 
K-A-L-W.org. Future show suggestions, segment suggestions are welcome as well. Thanks so much for listening and for being with us here on KALW.